Father, we thank you for this day. We ask your blessing upon this time. We are about to come on this first, first day of the year to one of the two ordinances of the church. We're going to take the bread and the cup. And Father, I pray we will do so faithfully. I pray we will do so reverently. I pray we will do so in a worthy manner and in a manner that glorifies you. In these next few moments as we just dig into the word a little bit and and then take the supper. I pray your spirit will speak to us through your word. That your spirit might use the word in our hearts to change our lives. That we might be more faithful, that you might be glorified, exalted even more in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to the Lord's Supper this morning. Before that, I, I want to share with you a little bit from the Word to prepare our hearts. Not just for the supper, but for a new year. Um, I, I like to, to, to kind of do something different, either on the last Sunday of a, of a year going by or the first Sunday of a new year. And so this morning, I want to read from John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. And this is what it says. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now this all happens at the Sea of Galilee. John calls it the Sea of Tiberias earlier in the chapter. It's the Sea of Galilee. And there are some other disciples there we read. I'm not going to go through all of that this morning. But this happens during those 40 days after the resurrection when Jesus was still walking the earth. Those 40 days between His resurrection and His ascension. And we do see two people who are here with Jesus One man in verse 20 is the disciple whom Jesus loved. We find out in verse 24, it's the same one who wrote down this gospel. And while he never names himself in any of his writings in Scripture, it is the Apostle John. So John is one of the actors on this stage. And the other, of course, is Peter, or rather 
Simon Peter, as he's called. Simon was his given name. There are some scholars who, who think that that may be uh, his name. I mean, like Sandy or a, a soft soil, which makes the other part of his name, Peter, really appropriate. It was already appropriate because Jesus gave it to him. But on this rock you will build my church. Matthew 16 is where Jesus gave Simon the name Peter as well. Because on the rock of Peter's confession, Jesus was going to build his church. And what was that confession? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Simon Peter was here as well. Peter meaning rock. Of course, he had been more shifting than a rock in recent times. Last we see of Peter really before the the crucifixion, he's... During Jesus' arrest and trial, he is denying Jesus three times. Denying he ever knows him. And why? To look out for his own safety. To look out for his own priorities. And so, as the rooster crows that morning and the sun begins to rise, there's this kind of gloomy darkness that envelops Peter. And he runs off in shame. But Simon Peter was not unlike many who trust in Jesus. Quick to say... They'll be with Jesus till the end until the slightest bit of wind begins to blow against them. And then we begin to look after our own interest. When Peter was being questioned that morning, when he was there at the scene, he wasn't really in moral danger when he was asked these questions, weren't you with him? But he wanted to make sure he stayed out of mortal danger. And so he was pretty quick to deny Jesus. And it's a reminder to us, beloved, that we can always talk a good game, especially when things seem to be going well. But when the going gets tough, rather than trust in the Lord and rather than be resolute in our faith and live it out, we all have the tendency, we all have the temptation to act faithlessly. And this is not something that's just for us. We see this with the heroes of the faith all over Scripture. We're not better or really, you know, (coughs) Abraham had his moments. Jacob definitely had his moments. David had his moments. Significant misfires in their faith, and yet they're still called faithful. But we can be quick to settle into whatever compromises will permit us to go about our business without hostility from the crowds. Whether those crowds be in town or they are in our workplaces or, or in, in, in our social settings or maybe even in our homes. And maybe that's the way 2016 was for you. Maybe this morning on this January 1st as we look back at a year that is now past, was it one that you will remember for opportunities for faithfulness that were wasted? Was it one that, that rather than looking for chances to proclaim the name of Jesus, you were willing to fade into the crowd? Was it a year in which now that the rooster has crowed on 2016, leaves you with more regrets? Well, if we're all honest with ourselves, for most of us the answer to that question is probably a mixture of yes and no. Because there's always more we could have done. There are always going to be opportunities 
that pass us by. There will always be ways in which we could have been more faithful. There are always going to be potential evangelistic encounters that we let pass by for whatever reason. But realizing that there will always be these times doesn't excuse that there are any of these times. Realizing that's how it it is should not cause us to excuse us but cause us to pause and ask, what will we do with the rest of the time we have left? The good news, even for Christians with 2016 regrets, is that like Peter, Jesus is here to restore us. Jesus is here to restore you. And if He can restore someone who denied Him three times like Peter, He can certainly restore you. He can make you a more faithful vessel for Him in 2017. We just have to do what He tells us to do. So what did He tell Peter? He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I want you to notice first, He addresses him as Simon. He addresses him by that name <coughs> that, name that He had known, been known as in the past. Not the name he'd given him, but the name resembling his past before Christ. Because that's how he had been acting. That's how he was living when he denied Jesus. And it's a reminder, beloved, of even those of faith in Jesus. We can always slide back into faithless behavior. So Jesus then asked, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me, Simon, more than the world around you? Do you love me more than these other disciples here? Do you love me more than those who are closest to you? Those who, who, who are like your family even? And how does Simon Peter respond? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I imagine that's the way we probably, most of us would respond if Jesus were physically here to ask us this question. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But there's something in this text that unfortunately we can't see just from an English translation. And it's crucial to understanding the anguish of this scene and what's going on here between Jesus and Peter. Jesus asked, do you love me? And that word for love that he uses is a familiar word Agape. Now, we've talked about that word some in the past. It's a Greek word. It means love. In 1 Corinthians 13, agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape never fails. That kind of love never fails. It's the kind of love that we see in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the kind of love a husband is to have for his wife in Ephesians 5. It's the kind of love that, that God so agape the world that he gave His only begotten Son in John 3.16. It is a, a never-failing, unending, selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me that way? And Simon can only look back at his denials of Christ and respond, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Except Peter uses a different Greek word for love. There are a handful of words in the Greek used for love in 
the New Testament. And another one that is somewhat familiar to us is Philo. Philo, uh, we think about the city of Philadelphia being the city of brotherly love. And that's because that word Philo, Phila, means love. It's brotherly love. And the point is, with the recent past being in his mind, he can't, Peter can't bring himself to say he loves Jesus the way he knew Jesus loved him. He can only say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. Nevertheless, Jesus says, tend my lambs. That is, Peter as an apostle still had a job to do. He still had a commission to carry out. He may not love Jesus like, like Jesus loves him, but Jesus still loves him and, and has still given him a commission to carry out. He, along with the other apostles, are charged with the care of Christ's church as it's going to start in Jerusalem and it's going to spread to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, are you up to the task? Are you... are? Was Peter going to be up to the task? So Jesus asked again, Do you love me? Do Again, a second time, Do you agape me? Do you love me with this selfless, sacrificial love? And Peter once again responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I philo love you. Once again, I love you with brotherly love. And this time Jesus says, He doesn't give up on them. He says, shepherd my sheep. In other words, lead my people. Care for my people. Provide for my people. Protect my people. What's interesting here is that Jesus was commissioning a known failure. Throughout the Gospels, you know, more than anyone else in the Gospel accounts, we see Jesus admonishing Peter for putting his foot in his mouth several times. But yet still here after denying him, he's commissioning him to do important... I mean, it doesn't get bigger than being an apostle, right? Important work of the ministry. And let that be an encouragement to us, beloved. If 2016 was a year in which... You didn't live up to the calling that God has called you to. If, if 2016 was a year in which there were maybe more failures than you wish to admit, if you are in Christ, He has still commissioned you for 2017. You still have work for Him to do through you. And so now a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? Not a third time, but the third time. And there's something you need to see here too. John doesn't mean that Peter was upset because Jesus asked him this question three times. Okay? Peter was grieved because this third time, Jesus didn't ask, Do you agape me? He didn't ask, do you love me with this sacrificial, unending, unfailing, selfless kind of love. He asked him the third time, do you fellow me? In other words, Peter, do you really love me even like a brother? 
So you can see maybe why Peter was grieved. Because Jesus came down to the level of love Peter was willing to confess to and then questioned whether or not he even loved Jesus that way. The intent was not to break Peter down or dispirit him, at least not to, to break him as far as breaking him from ministry. Quite the contrary. Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. So Jesus is not giving up on Peter. What he's doing here <coughs> is getting Peter to a point where he quits trying to convince Jesus of his love. You know, sometimes we kind of carry around our spiritual resumes ready to rattle them off in a moment's notice. We try to justify ourselves. We try to defend ourselves. Peter gets to a point here. Jesus gets him to a point where he's going to stop defending himself. You know that I love you. You know. Even with this philo kind of love. Jesus doesn't want us to try to convince him we love him. Jesus wants us to start acknowledging that he already knows. He already knows. Even in your failures, he knows if you love him and he knows how much you love him. Jesus doesn't seek to break you down except as it pertains to your sin. What he does is he cares for his sheep. And if you are one of his sheep this morning, he is trying to build up his church. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to embolden you. He wants to embolden us. And the way he does it is to bring us all to a point where we realize that he knows all, that he is all powerful, and that he is the good shepherd, and he will lead us where he wants us to go by his word. And any good we do will be from his strength from beginning to end. The fact of the matter is, you don't love Jesus as much as He loves you, and I don't either. Because right now, our love, and it may be a passionate love, even now our love is tainted by sin. There will come a day, beloved, and I so long for this day, when we will see Him face to face and we will sin no more. Even then, separated from sin, we'll still be finite beings in the presence of God. And we'll love Him more purely then. We'll love Him purely, period. But still, somehow, it won't be as much as He loves us because He is infinite. Even so, Jesus says, tend my sheep. He takes His ever-dependent, routinely failing sheep like us and still employs us for ministry. You might say, I don't know what to tell someone about Jesus. I don't know how to interact with someone. He still employs you. He did for Peter. He knew all, he knew more about Peter's failures than Peter did, and still he restores him here, and he did it for an apostle, for someone who was going to lead other people. And by the way, John was no poster child for faithfulness either. Remember how 
One time he thought that he had it on his authority to call down fire from heaven upon Samaritans and Jesus is standing right there beside him. John had his issues too and still, what is the point here? That Jesus takes people who fail and he uses them for his glory. That doesn't mean it will be easy. Verse 18, Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die. You're going to be stretched out. You're going to be led somewhere you don't want to go. Church tradition says <coughs> that around 67 AD, Peter was crucified, but not the way Jesus was. He considered himself unworthy to be killed the same way Jesus was, so they turned him upside down on a cross in Rome and crucified him. So Peter would live the rest of his life knowing essentially how it would end. But in the meantime, verse 19, what did Jesus tell him? Follow me. Follow me. And those words have resonated throughout our study of the Gospel of Luke. They resonate throughout the Gospels and throughout all of Scripture. Follow me. And they should resonate in our hearts and in our minds daily as we search the Scriptures, as we come to Him in prayer, as we seek to live out the faith Jude 3 says is once for all handed down to the saints, and as we seek to be disciples who make disciples for the glory of Christ. That's what Peter was to do. Follow Jesus. Now like us, Peter had the tendency to look around and survey the terrain, which, you know, is, is something natural for us to do. He had a proclivity for comparing his situation to others, and he does here. He looks at John and thinking about what Jesus has just told him about how he'll die. What about John? What about him? And Jesus said, verse 22, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This actually became a thing where some people began to misunderstand that, that John was going to live until Jesus came back. John was the oldest living apostle when he died. He died somewhere around the end of the first century. Lived much longer than the others, uh, tradition holds. That's why John, a couple verses later, says, He didn't say, I'd never die. He just said, if I want him to remain. The point here, though, is if you are going to love me, Jesus says, if you're going to agape me more than everyone and anything else, if you're going to love me more than anyone and anything else, you can't obsess what's going on with everyone and everything else. You follow me, Jesus says. And may 2017 be a year in which we fail Jesus less, when we compromise less, because we know the one who restores us is faithful. Disciples follow their master, and we want to be better disciples in 2017. We want to do that through immersing ourselves in God's word. Whether you use that reading plan or not, I can't, as your pastor, encourage you enough to have a plan for digging into God's word we got to be people of prayer. And, and, and we, we pray for those on our prayer list. We pray for those who are struggling. We should and always should do that. But our prayers, if, if we're growing in Christ, 
Our prayers need to more and more resemble the kind of prayers we actually see in the Bible. The the kind of prayers we see in the New Testament. Prayers of repentance. Prayers for the gospel to go forth. Prayers for God to glorify Himself. We need to be committed to the local church. We need to be committed to our church. Rather it be Sundays, Wednesdays, or any other days. And if we are serious about wanting to grow in Christ and grow numerically, we've got to turn our attention outward and we've got to proclaim the gospel. We've got to meet the man on the street, whether that man on the street is on our street, in our own bedroom, or out in, in town. We've got to take the gospel to the world. Jesus did not say, stay and they'll come in. He said, go and make disciples. And so he calls on his disciples to proactively be evangelistic. All of his disciples to be proactively evangelistic. So if we treasure the gospel, we need to be more active in taking it to our community. And to that end, we've got to be mission-minded in, in everything we do. How we manage our time, how we manage our, rather it be our, you know, our money, setting aside money for the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I don't even know what we ended up giving on that yet. But, but I, I myself want to be more proactive in how I plan to do that each year. And I, and I pray you will too. How we, are we able to set aside money to, to help local mothers who need help? You know, James one twenty seven says that pure religion is helping the widow and the orphan, helping them in their distress. So we need to be doing things like that. The bottom line here, beloved, is that there are a million things we could probably think of in and amongst ourselves this morning in ways we kind of missed an opportunity here and missed an opportunity there in 2016. I say all this this morning to encourage you. Yeah, none of us loved Jesus as much as we should have in 2016. But he still, he says, love me. And still he says, I am going to restore you. Tend my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Tend my sheep. We have an opportunity while we are still here to do great things for God. May we be faithful in that. And maybe on January 1st, 2018, we can look back and say, there were fewer misses than there were in 2016. May we be disciples to that end. Now...